LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Noy, here with my co-host, Todd Atkins. That was a very, it's like filtering you out. It's its not as loud as you think it is, but it's still great, Todd. It's still great. Okay. It's probably Zoom's new stuff. But the good news is I'm in, uh, I'm in the prayer room at Fairview Church and there's a preschool party going on on the other side of the wall. And Perfect just, for podcast recording. Oh my goodness. That's insane. But it does filter out that, but it filters out um, my excitement because people listening know that we already had one shot at recording the intro because they could hear you smiling. <laughs> that is true. They could hear you smiling. So they're they're wondering, who is our guest today, Chandler? Well, today we have a very special guest, Josh Patterson, who serves as a lead pastor at the Village Church. He's served on staff there since 2004 and has been a big part of everything that the Lord has done there. He's co-authored uh, the book Creature of the Word and just so many different things. He also leads SLC alongside Kevin Peck, which is a partnership that we have with those two guys. And uh, Josh, just so glad to have you on the podcast today. Well, it's great to be with you guys. Thanks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, what we're trying to do is along with having guests on to share about their leadership journey and the five leadership questions in that aspect, we are getting practical once again, going back to uh, how to questions. And today we're talking about how to handle conflict on a team and Josh, you just asked us, hey, well, you know, why why'd you reach out to me for this topic? And right. we just we just think conflict follows you wherever yeah. you go and just I thought mean, you'd be great to discuss this. For, for those that don't know, SLC, SLC actually stands for strategic leading conflict. Strategically. <laughs> strategically leading conflict. Leading conflict. Also yes. better known as strategic leadership communities. But that that's is true. true. That's true. That's true. Yeah, super close. But if you're not having conflict, healthy conflict, then you're probably not leading very well, in my opinion. I believe that. Well, we're going to have a conversation all around this, and we'll just go ahead and hop in with this. Josh, you know, you're leading a team of many different areas of ministries, different, many different people. So what are the most common causes of conflict on a team? Yeah, you know, I... I I don't know is, is my first answer. And then, so I've given this some thought and thought about my own experience with this and, and how varied the conflict has been. And so that's why I start with, I don't know. And I, I actually went to, to James four and I'll, I'll read this out of the CSB. Ooh, there we go. Yes. But product placement right there. Yeah. Right. Where James <laughs> says, Hey, what is the source of wars and fights among you? And, and that's big. It's much bigger. And he says, do they not come from the passions that war within you. Uh, and different translations will say, what's the source of the quarrels and the conflicts? And, you know, he says, don't they come from these things that are happening in your heart? And he takes it uh, in that particular passage to a level that obviously we're not talking about where he thinks, you know, the next thing is, why do you murder? And, and we're not there. Uh, but uh, yeah. Not yet, right? I think the theological underpinning is why do we have conflict is a lot of times there's things going on inside of us. And, uh, and I want to start with the heart where I think most, most of the conflict starts. And, and I'm not even saying that that's a bad thing all the time. Sometimes it is, as Todd mentioned earlier, and there's really good, good conflict. There's healthy, constructive conflict. Um, but when we're talking about the destructive conflict, the conflict that, that tears down and 
and breaks teams apart, um, then I almost always want to think about what's going on underneath the thing. So you have this presenting issue. Um, it's the tip of the iceberg, but there's a whole lot going on underneath the waterline that I think if we want to resolve the conflict and, and deal with it well, then we're going to have to get to that below the line um, realities. I think that's really, I think that's really insightful in that if you don't have, if you don't have a culture that embraces conflict, that is pushed down so far, it's almost like you have to go through counseling for a year um, to get to, to the root of the conflict before you can ever actually move forward as leaders. I mean, right now I have conflict because Chandler told me I was taking the odd number questions <laughs> and he just went out number one. He hey, just sometimes you just got, you just got to jump in and took it from and lead, you know? And so we're going to get to have a real life case study. How you resolve <laughs> Are you going to mitigate this for us? I, um, no, but I did. You know, I think starting with the James passage is just a helpful framework to know that there's oftentimes things going on underneath, but you know, when I, when I think about the conflict and, and like I said, I tried to consider um, the various types of conflict that I've engaged in or had to lead through or navigate, whether it was personally or on my team and, and some categories that came up. One is a, is a conflict of values um, where I value something and uh, my teammate values something different or the prioritization of those values is a little bit different. And that's actually where we find ourselves right now at the village is, is sifting through the priority of our values. Um, so if, if somebody says, I, you know, I value order, uh, and somebody else says, well, I value innovation. And it's not that the other person says, well, I think order is bad and innovation is bad. Uh, but if depending on the priority of those particular values, you can, you can see the clash that comes. Uh, because sometimes innovation doesn't come with a lot of order. It, it comes with some, some speed or some disorder, and that may frustrate teammates who value uh, long-range planning and consistency. And, and so we've been talking a lot, and I mean a lot, internally about values and how conflict arises through values. So I'll stop there if you guys want to interact with that a little bit. Um, totally. Uh, what you said is really insightful, which is why we ask you to talk about conflict apparently. Um, because I think in a day and age where, you know, we often talk about personal truth or say people have personal truth, you know, what you have identified there is really interesting because sometimes personal values come into conflict with organizational values. Um, personal values, we tend to, sometimes, uh, we can put priority on our personal values versus the organizational value, or dare I say, institutional value yeah. that a generation before it wouldn't even have been an issue. Like, of course it would be the institutional value right. that you held higher. And now it's a different prioritization. Interact with that a little bit. Yeah. Well, that was my next point, actually. And uh, we did a training. So smart. So brilliant. We didn't we did not even script that. Uh, but it, we did a training at the end of 2020 where we walked through uh, a training in and around values. And one of the points that really stood out to me 
was leaders establish, operationalize, and sustain the values and vision by which their organizations thrive. So leaders establish, operationalize, and sustain the values and vision by which their organizations thrive. And so leaders have to set the pace for the organizational values. And, and it has to be clear, it has to be consistent, and you have to, to fight for those values. And I mean that in a, in a very positive, constructive way. And it's not that I have to lay my personal values at the doorstep when I enter into the organization. I just have to know in order for this organization to thrive, there has to be a set of shared values, shared convictions that my values are either in line with or I can hold at bay if they're not in line, recognizing that I'm here to serve the mission and the vision of this organization. I don't have to, but I'm, I'm choosing to. And, and if that conversation isn't had, if that's not a, if that's not um, something that, that a team explores, then you just, you just stay above the waterline and you see the presenting issues, uh, that iceberg analogy, and you never really get below the surface to know, you know what, I actually don't value these things, hmm. uh, but the organization does. And then I have to make decisions. So I don't think it's fair to the organization or to the individual um, to have values that are at odds. And so that's why I think it's really important to clarify those and, and people get to choose. Do I want to be a part of this organization that values these things in this order? Can I, can I survive here? Can I thrive here? Hmm. You know, as, as I think of your, your journey, Josh, as at the village, as we mentioned, you've been there since 04, that's been in a couple different roles, but you also have been able to see the organization grow along, yeah. along the years. And I think some people hearing, uh, you know, some people looking in at other different churches would think, oh, they have it all together. Um, or that there's never conflict that arises in their staff or those type of things. And, and really, I guess the question I'm trying to get at here is you guys were growing at such a fast rate and having to make decisions pretty quickly. Uh, you're, you're kind of a startup type of mentality and you get into the growth years and now it's maintaining. How have you seen conflict change in the dynamics of conflict change? Was there a period of that time that you look back on, you're like, man, there, there was a lot of conflict there and here's how and why we resolved it. So to help us get to these next phases of growth and even growing as a team together and, and establishing these values of who, who is the village church? Because there probably didn't look the same of who you guys were back then as you yeah. are now. Yeah. You know, that, that's a great question. I, I think we have had a myriad of conflict realities in each season. So I don't know that I can say in this season, the conflict was consistent and it looked like this. Yeah. It was, we've had conflict at various levels in each and every season. Um, what we have done as a leadership team, and I think what we have done as individuals is we've learned to better navigate and negotiate conflict. So if I think when I got to the village, I, I guess it was 26 years old, and uh, I just have more years now. So the way that I engage conflict uh, as a 26, 27 year old is, is different than I do now. And our team 
thankfully we, we have a lot of longevity on our team. So we've been able to grow together in that. And so we've grown in awareness. We've grown in competency around conflict. And I don't even really like to call it conflict management, but more conflict navigation um, and, and being able to press into it. So dealing with the conflict that's there. There's times when that conflict is really high stakes because um, we're in a situation that's high stakes. There's, there's the simmering conflict that just seems to stay right underneath the surface. And it's, uh, you know, it's like you can kind of live with it. It's like that low level anxiety. Um, that conflict has been there. Um, we've had acute conflict and, you know, <laughs> Candidly, I can't, I can't mark a season with a type of conflict and people are so varied and, and situations are so varied that we've just had different types in, in, in different seasons. But to your point, we absolutely have conflict. That's just the reality of leadership. Yeah. If, if you don't, you're not leading very much as, as we talked about before. So what does, what does healthy and unhealthy conflict look like in a church? Yeah, I, I think about we've got <laughs> we've got both types, you know. So when I think about healthy conflict, I'm thinking about robust conversations, robust and refining conversations. These these are the the types of conversations where we don't necessarily agree, and we are bringing to bear into this conversation maybe our values, uh, our disagreements around strategy. Um, our fundamental disagreements about the ends and not just the means. I mean, there's all types, but the nature of that conversation is robust. It's honest and it's refining in a way that it brings about constructive change. So it, it may not be easy. You know, you still may have butterflies in your stomach, depending on personality types. I mean, it's still conflict. So there's still energy in it. But that energy is producing something good, something positive. Uh, I also think a, a mark of healthy conflict is, is the fruit of it is you have charitable narratives. And uh, we, we just kind of shorten that word and we just call it charitives. The idea of, hey, we want to, the story that we tell ourselves about other people and the stories that we tell ourselves about another team or, or whatever it might be, as it relates to conflict is we're given the benefit of the doubt. I, I know this teammate wants the same thing that I want. I, I am assuming the best. That's a mark of healthy conflict. Unhealthy conflict, I tend to not assume the best. Uh, I have a, a little bit more of a, a defining narrative. This person is like this. I put them in a box or uh, I limit them. Uh, or I'm just simply, it's, it's an unflattering, unfavorable um, narrative that lacks charity. And so language that we use internally is, hey, we, we want to have a charitable narrative here. We, we want to give the benefit of the doubt. Um, and that doesn't mean that, that we don't have the opportunity to have robust, honest, and refining conversations. To me, that's a good meeting. Um, it, and so, you know, Todd, I, I think to your question, when I'm thinking about healthy conflict, I'm looking for those elements for robust, honest, refining conversation, charitable narratives or what we call charitives and then disruptive challenges that bring, bring about constructive change that. And then I think the converse uh, would, would mark unhealthy uh, conflict. 
as you're as you're sharing about that culture of hey, we want to believe the best about people. Uh, previous church staff I was on, we talked about keeping short accounts. Like we don't want to just let it fester below the surface. It's hey, Josh, there was something that happened in a meeting today, and I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up on that just so we can have that conversation, it's just so it doesn't grow. And um, I think that's such a key that you don't let it just sit in the darkness. You you it may just be something that you're dealing with, but at least share that with somebody. But for you, I mean you are, you are the lead, one of the lead pastors at the village church. So for you, when we're talking about conflict and healthy conflict, how much does that culture, and we'll get more into creating culture in a little bit, but I want to get into you leading in that. How does that you leading out in that set the tone for everyone else? Well, when, when I think about what leadership is, leadership is stepping forward and saying, um, providing an example, not a perfect example, but an example. And so if I'm conflict avoidant as a leader, then that says some things to my team uh, about how I engage in conflict. And so um, we, we've even thought and worked through uh, like assessment tools and how, how does, how do I, how does Matt, how does Brian, how does Lindsay, how does Jen, you know, how, how does our team navigate conflict just by nature of our personalities. Like what, what, what is our preference uh, with conflict? And some of us are conflict avoidant, just personality types. Some of us are, are um, conflict. We walk towards it. Uh, and then some of us, you know, we just want to cover our eyes and pretend, you know, it just doesn't exist. And that's, that's just kind of baked into our personalities. And so the way that I want to handle it, is with conflict for me is I, I don't avoid it. I tend to walk towards it. Um, but then I want to ask the question, how do I walk towards it? Uh, am I inviting, uh, in my, in my approach? Like, am I willing to hear, uh, the other side? Do I, as I walk towards it, do I, am I the kind of person that creates narratives on the back end? Uh, do I put people in a box where it's like, okay, if I've had conflict with you, um, now does, does that forever, is that a banner over our relationship? And I view you a certain way based on one particular conflict or a set of conflicts that we may have had. So I think about it through the, through the lens and the framework of, of my example as a leader. And I know we're going to get into culture. And so I'll, I'll save some of that for, for that conversation, but. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for sharing about that. So when, when conflict does arise, whether it's hard to tell on the front end always if it's healthy or unhealthy. So yeah. how do you navigate that conflict when it does arise on your team? Yeah, I, I actually gave this uh, example to our team recently. I, I was um, I, I was thinking of that children's book. We're going on a bear hunt. Y'all remember that children's book? <laughs> and uh, yes, I love it. However, I'm just going to put this out there. I'm sorry. That's not what this podcast is about. Actually, it's about conflict. So I can bring this up. I have a big problem that they have changed the, it used to be going on a bear hunt, got my gun and toothbrush. Well, it's okay. no longer got my gun and toothbrush. Uh, they changed and changed it. Apparently I, I'm reading the revised version. <laughs> you are. The gun and toothbrush in it. I didn't know that. You live on a throne of lies. <laughs> Well, regardless of the, of the gun and toothbrush, my takeaway from that book is, uh, you know, the, the refrain all the way through it is, Hey, we can't go over it and we can't go under it. We got to go through it. And 
you know, I, there's really no way uh, when conflict arises, if you want healthy uh, culture, if you want healthy change and you want that conflict to be constructive to, to avoid it. I mean, candidly, so there, there's a sense of going through it, but there's, it's not a plowing through or a running over. It's, it's, I have to do something with that conflict. Um, and I would even say this, and I think this is important. It doesn't always mean that I have to do something with it, with the other person. And here's what I mean. So, so Todd and I have conflict. Um, you know, I, I have some sense of disagreement or frustration or whatever it might be. There may be an internal in my own heart, my own life of working through that conflict where I don't ever even have to engage Todd around it. I can just absorb it in a healthy way and then release it. I, I, I mean, I, I believe that that is possible for the believer to simply absorb it and release it and choose to move on. Uh, I don't think that's avoiding it. Um, and so what I mean by that is I would want to, I'd want to feel what I feel. I'd want to name it. I'd want to experience the frustration and kind of work through that to a place where I can actually and genuinely release it. Like the conflict in my heart is over. And we've had situations on our staff where that has been what we've called the person to. Uh, we're bringing up a situation that maybe is years in the making, or, or if we were to rehash this yet again, uh, it could be a situation that actually could bring about uh, a result that we don't want. Uh, and so asking that person, are you in a place where you can release it? And if you can't, then we're going to have to, we're going to have to do something else. But I do think that's an active way to approach conflict is to actively and personally absorb it and release it. Now, if that's not, uh, if that's not a right or appropriate action, then I want to walk towards it. Um, and I want to walk towards it in humility, knowing that I, I'm seeing this through my perspective. I have a limited perspective. I don't see all things. And so I want to come in a little bit curious about the conflict rather than uh, as if I have all the answers around this particular conflict. All I have is how I'm feeling uh, and what I think I have experienced. Uh, and sometimes I don't even know if I've experienced it correctly. You know, um, it's just interesting how, um, I mean, think about this with your spouse. It's, uh, <laughs> you have conflict that arises and what I'm feeling, man, that, that certainly wasn't the intention of the spouse. I experienced it this way, but I misread it. Um, or I, and so I want to come in a little bit curious and for sure humble, but, but we do have to go through it. One of the, one of the things we actually had you on the unseen leadership podcast, probably a year and a half ago. And we were talking about how there you're all staff structure and especially leadership structures, very different than many churches. Uh, there are multiple lead pastors and I may be misremembering this story, but I remember you were talking about there was this moment where I think you you all, there's three of you at the time of, of lead pastors at the Village Church. And I think you were talking about there was a big meeting where you and Matt had conflict. And I think you guys walked out of there and weren't really sure of what that looked like. So you, there's a difference when there's conflict and then it's, you know, I am, I am the leader of someone else. So they are looking up to me and saying, well, it's Josh's decision here. But there's a difference when there's three of us and all of our voices are alike. Uh, so <laughs> there's conflict that you've walked through, uh, that is very different that, you know, can you just kind of break down what that 
relationship and conflict has looked like. And maybe if I don't, I may be misremembering that story, but would love to hear. No, no, I, think, I think you're remembering it right. It's the story where, where it was Matt's fault. If, if we're, <laughs> yep. That one. Yep. That one. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. That's, that's actually been a really unique kind of relationship between, you know, we have, like you said, we have three lead pastors. And so Matt, Brian and I, it, most of our conflict has been, um, in our little enclosed little meetings, you know, and, and, and it, thank God we've not had like threat level midnight conflict. Um, I can name on one hand, uh, we've been to, we've been in the structure for, I guess now 11 years and we've had a handful of, of, of tough, tough conflicts. And the one that you're mentioning is one of those. And that happened to be one that other people had purview into, uh, and it's not that, you know, we're trying to avoid conflict is we're actually trying to hash it out in a healthy way before, um, before we move into other rooms, but we've, we've had plenty of opportunity for robust dialogue. That's just, an, that's how we operate. That's part of our culture. Um, and I'll say this about Matt, Matt has, a has allowed, encouraged and sustained a desire for that type of culture. Uh, so, you know, when, when he started this whole thing, he could have set himself up to be king on the throne and he simply has not done that. And that, that willingness of Matt to walk in humility and curiosity has allowed for us to have conflict in front of other people. Now, the one you're referring to, that was a doozy. I mean, we were, it was heated and we were, it, it was very clear. It was more acute. Um, and they also got to see us resolve it. They, they got to see us kind of work through that. Um, and in that particular instance, I don't think that resolution happened right there in the meeting, but it happened and it happened over time. And it was one of those where it's like, okay, we need to, we need to kind of settle down, take a step back and then take a step towards. And that taking a step back is like, I just, I'm, I'm kind of dizzy right now. Uh, I, I need to get my bearings, um, and kind of get my heart centered and then step back into it. And that's exactly what happened. And, and like I said, they're not all, they don't all flare like that for us. I know they do for others in different cultures. That's just not a part of, of our history. Uh, I can count on one hand how many we've had like that, but we've certainly had that. And the, I think the benefit is the team in some of those instances have been able to see it and to see us work through it. So uh, people that have been listening to the podcast for a long time, it's probably been a while since I've talked about this, but we actually, um, we actually would intentionally bring people into meetings where we knew we were going to have conflict at the senior level um, because we said, Hey, um, it's good for people to see how we make decisions especially when we know there's going to be conflict. So anything that we knew that could be a controversial decision that the staff or, uh, you know, key lay leaders or, or whatever, it, it could be taken controversially. We would actually bring some people in for two reasons. One was their leadership development. And two, we wanted to people, people to understand and know how they make decisions and how this decision was made. We didn't right. want them to do their own math because who knows how it would have ended up. But strategically, we would say, hey, who are up and coming leaders um, before they would come into the meeting? Their manager would pull them aside and say, hey, um, there's this thing we do here. It's called uh, voice, vote or vote, voice and view. 
if you are a regular attendee at this meeting, you have a vote. You always have a vote. You're seated at the table. If um, we call you in to speak, speak then, but don't, you know, just, you know, come in. And then there was a case of, hey, just sit in the back and hang out and, and, and watch what happens. And that can sound a little, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how it sounds to some people. It may sound like we think we're, we're awesome. No, the point was for them to see how we handled conflict and to see how we made decisions and to learn from that, that we could have a disagreement, but in the room and out of the room, we were the same person. And in the room, we might have some conflict, but out of the room, we were all carrying it forward. And, you know, we were all mature about it and, and, and leading well. Um, so I even think that from a, a healthy conflict posture, it can become a part of your culture. Now that's a whole different, you know, level when you have lots of staff and all of that, but still, I don't care, you know, what the size of your, your church or ministry is, um, whether it's lay leaders or staff people, uh, conflicts and always a great opportunity to clarify your vision and mission and values. I mean, you know, you said it before, like, this is the why, um, stories that you tell, even stories of conflict that you tell and how they were resolved really helps create an embed culture. Totally agree. Totally agree. Let's face it. You didn't become a pastor to be an accountant and you didn't attend seminary to learn about software. Still, managing money is crucial for any thriving organization, which means if you're doing anything wrong, then you're risking the financial health and viability of your church. Thankfully, our friends at Belay know this well. Belay, an innovative staffing solution with over 10 years of experience serving churches, has successfully matched thousands of organizations with experienced U.S.-based virtual bookkeepers, virtual assistants, and social media strategists. And they are offering all of our podcast listeners a free download of their resource, Five Ways a Church Bookkeeper Can Transform Your Day, which shares the five most positive changes that will come out of hiring a bookkeeper for your church. So just text LIFEWAY to 55123. That's L-I-F-E-W-A-Y to 55123 for your free download. And if you do so, you will be one step closer to reclaiming precious time every week to do what only you can do. Now, back to the podcast. Well, we're talking about culture, so we'll go ahead and move into the, to the last question here. So how do you create a culture that handles conflict in a healthy way? Well, you know, again, Todd, Todd is just stealing my notes or uh, I don't know what's <laughs> going on here. It's just that uh, I'm, I'm following his lead here, but I think the story piece is really important. Um, and where if we think about narratives and, and again, we've talked about charitable narratives or destructive narratives, but those stories that emanate from meetings where there was conflict, those stories that emanate from, from conversations, because the reality is th those do seep out into the culture. And if we have positive stories of how conflict was navigated and negotiated, to me, that creates a culture where, that is saying, hey, this is a safe place for conflict to happen. Um, you won't wear a scarlet letter uh, if you were involved in some type of conflict. 
Um, and this is how we go about it here. We, we want to go about it in those healthy ways that we talked about earlier, where we want the conversation. It's okay if it's robust. Uh, we want it to be honest. Uh, we want it to be refining. Uh, we also want it to be clear. Um, and so sometimes conflict is around this place of we lack clarity. And so we're trying to, we're trying to fight for clarity around a certain, a certain issue or challenge or whatever it might be. And so uh, those stories that emerge from those seasons or those acute conflict meetings or whatever they might be, those stories are important. Those are the stories that, that kind of move in and out of the hallways that create culture. They sustain culture. I also think it's important for us to have language that helps structure it for us. Uh, you ever had that, that, that time in your life where, where you're feeling something or you're experiencing something, but you can't quite name it. And then somebody gives voice to it. Somebody gives a name or a category or a rubric or a structure. And all of a sudden you start, Oh, that's it. That's what I'm feeling. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm experiencing. Uh, that's what I'm seeing. I didn't realize that's what it was, but that's exactly what it is. And so that's why I think it's important to, to even train and talk around this in such a way where you have shared language, you have shared structure, you have shared um, rubrics to think through conflict. So for instance, values Values was something that we always intuited. And of course we knew it was true. You read about values all the time, but we've been training towards values and talking about values more. So now we have language around values and are identifying conflict now, like in the present day at the village that are in and around values where five years ago, we weren't having that conversation because we didn't have the language. Uh, we didn't have the structure in place. I read a great op-ed years ago, from a guy that talked about most of us in the deepest place of our hearts, they go unstructured and unexplored. And if we're going to go down into those deeper places, it's, it's good to have a guide, somebody that can help structure those things and, um, and give you a, a map, uh, so to speak. And I think with conflict, being able to have shared language, shared structures, shared rubrics, it gives us some handles to begin to try to have helpful and hopefully constructive dialogue around those things. And so um, we want to train towards it. We want to talk about it. And then again, I just go back to the point that leadership is essential here. How your leaders handle conflict uh, will shape the organization. Uh, and so I was, I was interacting with, with a, a leadership team, not at the village and uh, this particular person uh, who was uh, the chairman of the board described the leader of this organization as, as someone who has a really hard time admitting when he's wrong and asking for forgiveness. And, uh, and I just, I could see, I could see vestiges of that type of behavior all through what I had experienced in their meeting uh, where there was, there was considerable conflict. There was tension all over the place. And, you know, I, I, I just saw it modeled right there in front of me with a leader who could not own it, uh, was unwilling to face into it. And then what do you have? Well, you have the trickle down effect of that type of leadership. Uh, and so if that leadership changes, if that leader changes his or her behavior, his or her response, then it impacts the culture. And so um, there, there's no way to have 
a healthy culture around conflict if you don't have healthy leaders uh, who are engaging in conflict. Hmm. That's really insightful. You know, going back to the values conversation, um, if you don't mind, would you be able to share kind of maybe a value that you guys have been able to train on and maybe even a situation that you were able to lean into the value to resolve the conflict or at least get everybody on the same page with that shared language? Yeah, you bet. We've got, so we have five values internally for our staff. So that's for staff. That's not, Hey, these are for church members. These are for how we interact as a staff. Exactly. Okay. And uh, you know, one of those is, is radical hospitality. We want to be invitational and intentional in terms of how we are engaging with our staff and with our church. So that idea of, of radical hospitality, invitational, and intentional. And so we want to talk about that. We want to celebrate that. Uh, for instance, uh, if, if, if we see it, then we want to name it. Uh, so we had an example where um, this goes back uh, to 2020 when, when everything was shut down. It was a family that, that had flown in from out of state and their hope was to come to the church for the weekend and found out that uh, we were, we were closed down, you know, uh, but we were still recording the service. And uh, this family had, I think they had called in and left a message or there was some interesting situation <laughs> and man, our connections team picked out that person's name and thought, well, let's do for one, what we wish we could do for all and invited that person and their family to come in just for the recording and there was just a handful of staff in there, uh, but it was a way to, to think about them in a very intentional and invitational way that we went out of our way in some sense to, to say to them, Hey, we see you, you matter. You're important to us. Um, and then we celebrated that. We celebrated that staff member who saw it, uh, who took the step, uh, who, who made the decision and, and, Man, that's a value. We we want to we want to celebrate that value. Uh, we we have values of of expectancy, uh, where we want to be hungry and hopeful, and that's the idea of like we are eager to see the Lord move. Uh, so when we talk about praying together, it's this idea of expectancy, where we want to come to services expectant that the Lord is going to move. We're hungry and hopeful for what He might do, uh, and so when we see that value in somebody. Uh, we want to name it, or if we're if we're pursuing that value, maybe in a prayer meeting or opening up a meeting or uh, thinking about an opportunity before us, we want to name it. Hey, remember, we want to be an expectant people, hungry and hopeful. Uh, and a big one that we've been talking about a lot is is one of our values is collaborative. It's the idea of one team, one mission, and uh, you, you can imagine how much that comes up. We want to collaborate. Hey, we're one team, one mission. It's so easy. Uh, to operate as if we're not one team. And so um, those are those are several examples from some of our values. Yeah, man, thank you so much for sharing those. Last thing, uh, just as we're talking culture, as we were talking common causes of conflict, I was thinking, uh, does some of that start in the hiring process where you get the wrong person on the team? Yeah. And I, I know I've, I've heard you share uh, kind of the five C's of hiring. I don't know if you want to take it there, but how can you make sure or how do you set yourself in, in the person that you're hiring and your team and your culture up for success through the hiring process to make sure this is the right person who would be able to 
to resolve conflict or walk through conflict, walk through it, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Well, you know, the five seasons is a really important rubric uh, that we've created. It's not a perfect rubric, but it's, uh, if you have nothing, it's better than what you have. Uh, so that's, that's where I always start, but it's, it for us has been a framework where we talk about calling, we talk about character, we talk about competency, capacity, and chemistry. And what we're looking for when we're hiring is what we call a portfolio of faithfulness. We're not trying to pull out any one of those entities and elevate it necessarily above the others, but we're trying to understand how they work together in, in congruence that where they paint a picture about somebody. Uh, they give us a sense. Is this person called and specifically not just called and adopted by God? That's the first piece, but called to this work, to this people in Flower Mound, Texas, with a church that looks like this, with leaders that look like this, like you're coming midstream into something. And we want to explore that call with you. Uh, we talk about competence and uh, we talk about character, again, capacity and chemistry. I mean, there's a whole lot there Chandler, but, um, but we use that on the front end in our hiring process. We use that day one in our orientation and our onboarding process where we talk through the five C's and, um, and then we, we talk about different ways, uh, to succeed at the church and, and when things go sideways. So it's like success and sideways. How, how do you get both of those here? Uh, and we talked through it. We talked through, you know, I, I had other other categories that we didn't even explore as it relates to conflict, but I think it's worth mentioning. We talked a lot about values, but we didn't talk a lot about trust. We didn't talk a lot about fear. We didn't talk a lot about power. Uh, but all of those are, are deep reservoirs where conflict can arise from. So maybe that's another show where you guys invite somebody else on who's much better equipped to handle that. Uh, but those are other areas where I think, man, I, I fear loss. I fear failure. I fear this. And, and then I start to rear up uh, in those situations and, and it causes conflict. So it's complex. It's the reality of life and it's the reality of leadership. And so it gives us a chance to press in, to grow up and to trust the Lord. Well, Josh, thank you for uh, opening up about, you know, what you guys are doing at the village, even experiences that you've walked through with conflict. So thank you for joining us as a guest on the five leadership questions. And thank you for listening. We hope this has been helpful to you and your leadership. If it has, head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. And if you do, we want to do more of these episodes on topics. So if there's a topic uh, that you want us to discuss, you know, leave us a review, shoot us an email. Uh, we'd love to be able to dive into that. If there's a guest that you want us to specifically dive into a topic with, we'd love to do that as well. And we'll see you next week.